Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Anyway, yesterday went for a quick bike ride with Paul Martin, went back home, sat down on the couch and watched five minutes of the news and I wondered why I watched five minutes of the news. Um, it took me about five minutes to realise how messed up our world is. There are cyclone warnings and monsoons in Queensland, heat waves, thunderstorms and bushfires in Western Australia. There's heat waves in um, South Australia at the moment. There's floods in Victoria, more bombings through the Middle East. There's a doing a bit of investigation on a, I think it was a 737s that um, lost the door off the side of the plane in the air and then grounded all these planes. And it just made me realise how uncertain we are, how uncertain life is for us. We live in uncertain times and how quickly life can change. It can change in an instant. Now, I'm not going to embarrass the names, but two of our daughters were walking in town on Friday afternoon. This is about two quarter past two, 2.30, Ruth had, had an appointment and the girls were just, um, she said, oh, I could just go up there. So they walk up, up King Street, around the corner into um, Rook Street, just near Cotton On, and one of them, um, one of the daughters, hears a car revving, turns round, there's a car that's just hit two people on the footpath and she grabs one of her friends, drags her into Cotton On and it, um, her friend just got hit by the car, like just um, scuffed her arm as she went through. And you think, how quickly life can change. And who knew Devonport was so exciting too? <laughs> and people, people said, um, how can you let our eldest daughter lives in New York? How can you get let her go there? It can happen in Devonport. It, it really can. And uh, it's just um, amazing how life can change. And a couple of seconds either, either side of that, how different this story could be. And so thankful that nothing serious happened. But the car went into, I think it's Star Nails or something like that, the shop there. I don't go there, just to clarify. Um, <coughs> the nail shop there. And we drove past last night, last night and there's still police taping that around. It hit a gas main, so then the CBD was evacuated as well. So it's just crazy. And five people went to hospital. So just so much uncertainty in life. And one of the things I love about Christianity is how stable it is how consistent it is. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And for some of you, you might think, that sounds boring. I think that's amazing. Jesus Christ is the yes same yesterday, today and forever. People can be unstable. We're, we're all unstable at times. We act and do things based on how we feel at a certain time. But Jesus remains consistent and faithful. And I love the, the confidence that that gives us and the hope that in the future, for the future that we have because of that stability. And life, as hard as it is, all the uncertainty, we just need to keep going. And that's our title for this morning, keep going. We need to keep going in our faith. John chapter 15 is a great passage about keeping on going in our faith. I'm just going to read from, start reading at verse 1. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you may bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what is his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love one another. There's so much good stuff in this passage. It can sometimes reading a passage like that can be a bit overwhelming. But we, before we go any further, I just need to clarify something. I am no gardener. I have far greater success killing things than growing things. And if you ask my wife, Ruth, she can tell you about all the things that I've killed over a married life <coughs> in the garden. And it's not great. <laughs> just, yeah, just, just clarify in the garden. Um, and it's actually surprising she's not up here grabbing the microphone telling you some of those stories because I'm pretty bad. Um, she's quite passionate about our garden and if you're privileged enough, it's only a small garden but it's very comprehensive. So if you come around sometimes, she might ask you if you want a coffee and then go for on a little garden tour because she likes showing you about all the different things and the watering system that she's done and, and all that stuff. It's very cool. But my limit is the lawnmower. Even the edges can be a bit iffy, like if I'm doing edges, I've been known to trim a few things that shouldn't be trimmed. So <coughs> I've just got just to stick to the lawns and that's, that's me. I can build your house, but don't ask me to look after your garden. <coughs> As a branch or a part of God's family, we all have a part to play. And out of this passage, I've just got three points that will help us if we want to keep going, keep going in our faith. So the first one is allow. We need to allow God to be the gardener. And for me, being not a gardener, that's pretty easy to do. I can just let him be the gardener. And this is from verses 1 to 3. I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So, by the way, this passage is um, shared by Jesus. Jesus Jesus, um, spoke these words. So here we see that Jesus is the true vine. God the Father is the gardener. And we are the branches as his followers. And it says that some branches get cut off. And it sounds a little bit harsh to hear that, that he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. But if a vine, um, a vine's purpose is to grow fruit and you're not growing fruit and you're not likely to get any, I guess there is no point. There's no point keeping them connected to the vine because it can affect the other branches. And one commentary I read um, talked about Jesus' 12 disciples and how God allowed Judas to go, to disappear. He um, betrayed Jesus and then he destroyed his life and ultimately ended his life. But God allowed allowed that to happen. We just need to keep going and be fully committed. I find it such a shame when we see people that were fruitful, and they just stop coming to church, they just stop being involved and they don't keep going. It's, it's so sad and we all know people who used to go to church, which is a very sad thing. Thankfully and particularly in my case, as I said earlier, God is the gardener and he prunes and shapes us into what, what he wants us to be in areas that we need to grow more fruit. And the translation here of prune comes from the Greek word kathero which means clean, without stain or spot, to clean off, to, to cleanse, to remove defilement and imperfections. God cleans us up. With what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, we have already been cleaned, we've already been made new, we've been cleansed, we've been forgiven of our sin. But we're obviously still in work in progress, none of us are perfect. God's got things he needs to to work on. In a practical sense, when it comes to pruning, I, as I said, I'm not a gardener. I had to Google what pruning was. Um, So I've just, uh, anyway, this is what Google said from one of the sites. Pruning for plant health focuses on removing dead, dying and diseased branches. Branches that rub together and any branch that's... branch stubs, so the entire tree continues to grow in a healthy way. Opening up the canopy to let light and air filter through out the entire tree allows for increased foliage while decreasing the risk of disease. At the ground level, who knew it would be so interesting? (laughs) At the ground level, suckers and water sprouts weaken wood and steal nutrients from the main tree. By helping a tree establish one main tree and a dominant leader, You create a strong tree that is ultimately able to withstand winter storms and high winds. Landscape maintenance and appearance pruning combine to create the ideal plant you envision. By pruning and trimming trees in specific ways, you can encourage fruiting and flowering, shape plants into specific forms and control plant size. So there you go. It's pretty cool, isn't it? God as the gardener knows what we need as the branches. He knows what's best for us and he knows our good areas, he knows our, knows our bad areas, he knows areas that need, 
to be trimmed. He knows how to keep us in line. He knows how to position us for whatever direction God has for the future, wherever God wants us next. And we, our first point is that we need to allow God to be the gardener and do his work. So secondly, when, if we want to keep going in our faith, we need to remain. We, we need to remain with the vine. From verses 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So we are called to keep going and remain. And I think it's just awesome news that God just doesn't say keep going and remain, but he remains in us, which is an awesome thing that we can treasure and and take with us. This passage uses the word remain 11 times for us to remain in Jesus and him to remain in us. And it comes from the Greek word meno, which means to stay, to dwell, to abide and to stand firm. So it's an awesome thing. I like to ask questions like someone says, why should you remain? Why should you keep going? Well, sometimes I need to think, what happens if you don't? So I've got an example of that. I had to put it in here so no one trod on it. Anyone not like mice? No, I'm joking. If you can put that picture up, please, Josh. I don't know what that is. Someone, is there a gardener that can tell us what it is? It's something we've got in our house anyway, that thing up there. Some kind of hedge or... I don't know. Anyway. So I thought I'd do a little experiment because I don't know much about pruning. And on, uh, on Monday... Um, just look away, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> On Monday, this, this branch was sticking up, and it just, in my mind, it just didn't look good. So I thought, <coughs> it's got to come down, because that's a healthy look. I think it's pretty healthy. It's grown heaps over summer. We've had a nice amount of rain, and it's been watered, looking pretty healthy. That, so that was Monday night. So um, I guess Monday morning, that would have been one of these nice branches up here. I was above the fence, just to clarify. Um, <coughs> yeah, so that would have been a nice looking thing. And that's, that's six days of not being connected to the vine. So it's, it's already started to discolour. It started to roll up. I lost one leaf getting it from my ute back here. So it's already started to deteriorate. In a matter of weeks, that would be gone, I imagine. Um, and that's not even, that wasn't outside in the sun, by the way. That was just in the garage. Yeah. Um, and then this one here. I'm losing leaves here. Um, this one here. Sorry, Ruth. It's another one from this morning. <laughs> it was sticking up above the fence, but already it's starting to curl up and change, and that was only... I only cut that off at quarter past eight. So it's already starting to deteriorate by not being connected to the vine. And when I cut it, you could feel the moisture in it, but even, even after, what, two hours, it's, you can start to feel it dry out. So it's incredible how, how things change. And 
There's another example of if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not in Christian fellowship. This is an example we did. Um, I did Christianity Explained when I was a teenager. And you probably can't see it, but there's a little bit of coal in there. And we did a, Talia and I did a little experiment last night. Um, we, had, uh, yeah, we had a fire going and we pulled out a red coal. And it was only a matter of probably 10 seconds and it was black. And it just shows the importance if we're not connected to people, we're not connected to the vine. If we come away from that, from fellowship, how quickly that can die down. And it's quite scary how, how quickly it can be and how quickly something like this, as an example, can deteriorate. And I love being a practical person. I love how Jesus used practical examples of, and practical stories of how, how we should live. That vine has lost its connection it's, it's dying off and we can't bear fruit without Jesus, the vine. We need to remain. And, and apart from him, we can do nothing, as it says in, in verse 5. Life can be hard at times, as we all know. But I just want to encourage you this morning, just keep going. I just know that through hard times, which we've all had, and if you, I often say to the youth, if you haven't had hard times, I'm sorry, but you will. It's just so nice to have Jesus in your life as, as support and that he, the fact that he remains in us. He has our back and he's there for us. Growing up in church, the people that I respected the most weren't the Sunday Christians. The people that I respected the most, Rose's parents is, is some of those, growing up in the same church, they were, you saw them at church on Sunday, you saw them at work through the week, they were exactly the same person. They were consistent and there's other people like that too in our lives that we can think back on. We, um, I think it's such a great testimony. If you remain, you're faithful and you keep turning up, you keep going, it's such a powerful testimony. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 to 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to encourage one another in life and in faith. Now, for those who were here last week, Brett told us a little bit of, um, oh, a fair bit about how he, him and his family just love sport. And our family is very much like that with us watching or playing and our kids are at home so we watch it together whereas Brett last week was saying that um, they, all these kids are grown up so they text each other the scores and different things. Um, but we, we certainly enjoy it. And put your hand up if you've done so, some kind of endurance sport or long, something long. There's a few hands, which is good. So I guess running for some people is, in, uh, if you run 30 seconds, for some people that's an endurance sport, isn't it? But for other people, three hours is an endurance sport. <laughs> Poor old Norma couldn't even do that. No. <laughs> Sorry, Norma. We love you. <laughs> um, endurance sport is hard physically, but it's also very hard mentally, and it's very hard to keep going. When your body's hurting and crying out to stop, it's hard to keep going. 
And the mental preparation is just as hard as the physical preparation. And you can be defeated before you even start. And I've, I've done bike rides, um, just like training rides, and you can feel, I just don't have it today. It's just not working. And you're defeated before you even start pedalling, which is, sounds crazy, but it, it can be that powerful. And for me, I, I love riding bikes, always have done, always, always will, hopefully. Um, what I enjoy most about riding bikes is I enjoy keeping fit, but also the reason I try and keep fit is so I can do charity rides. And it's not only the challenge itself that I like, but I like raising money for people, helping people. I like the community, I like the social side, and also the, the feeling of accomplishment afterwards. And what you find on a long ride, and I, I would say a long ride is more than four hours um, for what, what we would do. Um, Paul and I did 100 last Saturday, so 100 k's. So anything more than that's roughly four hours. So anything longer than that is, is very hard, I'd say, for, for our level of fitness. Um, and what you find on a long, long ride, which some charity rides are, you can be riding eight hours, and that's a long time to be pedalling. Um, what you find is, though, everyone goes through a hard stage through that day, whether it's physical or mental. And you can look at someone and they've got the handlebars down and all they're looking at there, you can have the most spectacular scenery and they're just not there mentally. They're just looking at the road, just trying to get through the next kilometre. And that can be a real challenge. And then other times you can have where you just legs are tired or you're hungry or you're thirsty. Actually, I'm thirsty now. But it's just an example to say <clears throat> your physical is, is powerful, but your mental is so powerful as well. And like in life, we need to spur each other on. On the bike, you have to spur each other on. And I can be guilty. I think everyone in our family can. Going too hard too early, it's not good because um, you pay for it later. Um, but I often try and help people in a bunch. If you're riding, um, most people don't, probably don't realise, you may have heard of drafting, but if you're on a bike, um, especially if there's wind about and you're on the front, it is almost, can be twice as hard as being behind. So if you get a, a good draft, will probably be two or 300 mil back from the wheel in front, and if you could save... I don't know, three or four kilometres an hour by being pulled along. It's that much different on the road. But it's like life. Sometimes we have to help each other. We have to spur one another on. We need to encourage each other. We've got to say, come on, let's keep going through the good times and the bad. So the first point was we need to allow God to be the gardener. Secondly, we need to remain. We need to remain in the vine. And thirdly, we need to love. We need to love everyone as we are loved. At verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you servants. I love this verse, by the way. I'd never really um, focused on before the last couple of weeks studying this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does know what does not know what his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not cho- choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So obviously in these verses we're reminded how deeply we are loved. And Jesus is the ultimate example of how to love someone. Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. How blessed we are. He loves us. He calls us his friends. He has chosen us. What powerful verses. And just think, he chose you. That's so awesome. He loves us so much and it's up to us to show his love to others. In 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So that last part, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He, people see him through us by the way we love each other, which is an awesome thought. We are so loved and we need to love other people. So why should we keep going in our faith? It's nice to have some bit of reward or some advantage or some positivity about keeping on going in our faith. I've just got six quick points, the rewards or the positives for remaining and keeping on going. Firstly, he has our back. We can't bear fruit without him. We must remain with him. From verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's got our back. Number two, he gives us provision God will give us what we need from verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So he provides. Number three, we will have joy. If we keep his commands and remain in his love, we'll have joy. Verse 11 says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Number four, we are loved. Jesus gave his life for his friends. From verse 12 it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Number five, we are his friends. If we do his commands, we are his friends. Verse 15, 
I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And lastly, we are wanted. God chose us that we might bear fruit, from verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So aren't they amazing positives for keeping on going, keep remaining and keep on, keeping on turning up? Just like to invite the team back up. We're going to um, finish with the song shortly. So how do we keep going? How do we remain? How do we keep going in our faith, our responsibilities? We have to allow, allow the gardener to do his work. We have to remain, we have to remain in him. We have to love everyone and show his love um, that he's demonstrated to us, to everyone we come in contact with. And there's one thing I've deliberately missed talking about out of this passage is verse 8. And it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we don't remain so that we can give ourselves a pat on the back. I'll say, well done, Jason. You've done good remaining this week. It doesn't, not good English anyway. Um, we don't do that for ourselves. We do it for we do it for God. We're here to give glory to him. I can't help but think of the um, little kid's bib. It says it's not about... Oh, no, sorry, it says it's all about me. Just want to encourage you, it's not about you. It is about him and all that he's done for us. And the team's just going to lead us in this amazing worship song as we close and I'll get up and pray afterwards. But God is worthy of all our praise for all that he has done for us. Let's continue to worship.